Welcome to Ring of Fire. I'm Farron Cousins. We've got a wonderful show today, and it is absolutely one of my favorite types of shows because today I am taking your listener and viewer questions from our YouTube community page. So if you want to be involved in the next Ring of Fire Q&A, I typically try to do one once a month, go subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the ring of fire and keep an eye actually set alerts so that you'll be alerted to whenever we post on the community tab for people to submit their questions for these episodes. And of course, if you want the full episode of ring of fire every single week, plus access to the ring of fire podcast archives, go sign up and become a member at rofpodcast.com. And now let's get right to it. Now, I was going to do a Q&A, by the way, a couple weeks ago, but unfortunately, uh, I came down with COVID and just wasn't able to do it. So uh, I wanted to go ahead and preface that because several of these comments or, and questions uh, mention my, my COVID uh, uh, illness, which, of course, I am now over. Uh, so everything's good. Everything's great. Let's get to the questions. First one is from Judith Matthews, who asks, glad you're recovering. Can you discuss how to stay motivated in a red state where people like Matt Gates roam free. All the years I've watched you and Mike on Ring of Fire, you've addressed issues of injustice. Do you ever despair and feel like giving up? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's only natural, right? I mean, it, it's human nature. When you get beat down so frequently, when, when you're just up against these insurmountable odds, which really is what the left is up against right now with the, uh, the right, it can be easy to fall into despair, even for those of us that are that are stronger, even for those of us, you know, that that don't give in that easily. We all succumb to it. You know, and I say that like uh, uh, specifically in regards to to Pap, because he is far stronger than I am. But I will say, you know, recently, not frequently, but recently he's mentioned, you know, I'm just I'm worn out by all this. And it's a feeling that we all get. And I've talked to plenty of other hosts, you know, David Pakman, Sam Cedar, you know, all the folks at TYT, uh, including plenty of other people like those we've had on the show, uh, Mike Figueredo and Jeff Waldorf. We've all kind of had the same thing. And we typically, you know, it'll happen a couple times a year where we just, you get so inundated with all of this because typically we don't get to talk about good news. You know, we're out there, all of us, pretty much warning you every day, like, hey, things are really, really bad, and they're about to get really, really worse, and then they're going to get worse after that. Well, have a great day. It's tough. <laughs> like, it's so tough to do that, folks. And so, yeah, we all succumb to it every now and then. But how do we stay motivated? Because we know we have to be. Because most importantly, we enjoy what we do. You know, as, as depressing as some of the news stories can be, uh, especially when we have tragedies that we have to report on, injustices, deaths, murders, all those things, rights being stripped away from us left and right, we do it because we care. And I think that's the easiest way to stay motivated because we know if we don't do this, the right, which has a much bigger megaphone than any of us on the left, they're going to capture the narrative. They're going to capture the day and we're going to lose the country even more. So we stay motivated knowing that if we're not out there fighting, 
then we lose no matter what. Thank you for your question. Next one is up from uh, Music Goddess 80s. Says, glad you feel better. We need you. My question would be, do you honestly think the orange one will ever be held accountable for anything? Now, I'm glad you added the caveat, by the way, of for anything. Because do I think the DOJ is going to really prosecute him the way they should? No. Do I think he's going to be charged in the state of New York? No. Do I think he stands a real good chance of getting prosecuted in the state of Georgia? Yeah. Yeah, I do. In fact, I really do. I think of all of the ongoing uh, criminal investigations into Trump, which again, we have uh, the Manhattan DA's office, which we know that one's already dead on arrival. Uh, Alvin Bragg's not going to do anything. He's pretty much said so. Um, So that's gone. The DOJ, yeah, they're working on the fake elector scheme, but are they going to be able to have the evidence to tie it to Trump? That's going to be a big if. And of course, if Trump chooses to run for president, as Digby and I talked about last week, the DOJ, Merrick Garland, they're going to get scared. You'd be like, oh no, we don't want to participate in this because, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to be political about anything. We don't want to be accused of being political. So I think there's that problem. But Fannie Willis, man, that Fulton County district attorney, she is going tough as nails against Donald Trump, right? I mean, she has subpoenaed his lawyers. She subpoenaed Lindsey Graham. She is afraid of nothing. And let's be honest, she's got probably the best evidence against Donald Trump out there because she's got the phone call. Kind of hard to argue against that when she has the audio of the phone call. All they have to do is interpret how Donald Trump meant what he said. Now I've pointed this out on our YouTube channel many times over the last year, because when Donald Trump says, go find the votes, right? That's like the smoking gun, but it all depends on how you interpret that. And in the eyes of the law, there are a lot of ways to interpret that statement. So let's look at the the big two ways. If Trump was doing it with kind of a wink and a nod, you know, the uh, go uh, find the votes. We know what that means. Fabricate the votes, make me win. But if he said, go, go find the votes. Because at the time, remember, Georgia was still counting votes. So if Donald Trump is able to convince prosecutors that, listen, I knew they were still counting. So I told him basically get back to work, right? Go find the votes, which just means keep doing your job and you're going to find them. As silly and stupid as you may think that sounds, because I think it sounds silly and stupid. That's a valid legal defense. And people don't want to admit that fact, right? A lot of people don't want to accept it, but that is a very valid and viable legal defense. So that's why you have all of these other characters involved as well, right? They have to be the ones to tell the story about how Donald Trump was not saying, go do your job. He was saying, do whatever you got to, to find me those votes. I don't care what it is, legal or not, go find them. So that is the job that Fannie Willis has. And honestly, based on what we've seen so far, I have total faith in her, right? I think she can do it. So hopefully she can. Because I think if Donald Trump is going to be criminally prosecuted anywhere, it's going to come from the state of Georgia. Thank you for your question. Um, Question from uh, my HRR3 says, hey, Farron, serious question here. You have to listen to and look at some pretty depressing things to keep us all informed. So sometimes I get concerned for you and your health. How do you turn off from all of this? And can you turn it off 
so you can relax or is your mind always thinking of all of this? I worry for you sometimes. Uh, love your YouTube mom. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, we, we talked about the depressing stories. We talked about all that, but getting away, you know, is something that's a little bit more difficult. You want to know how difficult I'll put it this way. If you've been watching our YouTube channel this week, you're listening to this podcast right now. Guess what? I'm not here. I'm on vacation. I've been on vacation all week and it's wonderful. I'm assuming it's wonderful actually, because I'm recording this ahead of time. So you know, you know, I'm not actually on vacation right now, but that's the thing. Up until just a couple years ago, um, I think I had been with Ring of Fire for 10 years before I had ever taken a single actual vacation. And then it was only, you know, to go to North Carolina for a wedding. It was only starting in 2016 that we actually were able to take family vacations. Like, no, I'm taking off work. We're going, we're doing this. And that very first one, which I was only able to do because I had taken on an extra, you know, side project with this organization, doing some writing and research for them. They paid me enough to where we could actually afford a vacation. Um, so I did that. And when we got back, my wife and I were like, this has to be a regular thing. We got to do whatever it is possible because both of us, you know, were able to unplug. We were able to relax. We were able to not think about it. And hopefully again, as you're listening to this, that's what I'm doing right now. I sincerely hope that that is what has happened. But in order to do that, just so everybody's aware, you know, it, it takes a hell of a lot the week before. Again, you know, recording an extra episode of the podcast, recording an extra episode of America's Lawyer, recording 40 extra videos for the YouTube channel and trying to pick out stories that aren't somehow going to be outdated by the time they air in a couple days. It is a hell of a lot of work, but it's also exceptionally worth it. And the other part of your question, like, is my head in this all the time? Yes. If I'm not on vacation, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. It doesn't matter if I'm working. It doesn't matter if I'm, you know, over at my parents' house or, or at lunch, I will pull my phone out. I will look for stories constantly. This is a never ending job. And honestly, sometimes I like that. I really do like that. Hey, I'm always, always looking, always working, but it does drain on you. And so that's why, again, we've started taking these vacations because we have to. Like I have to be able to pull my brain out of it because if I can't, then I would probably go insane. So our next question here comes from, uh, Donovan Finley, who says, can Congress put limitations on the Supreme court's power so they can't just take away rights that we've had for decades? Uh, the answer to that is unfortunately, no, they cannot. Um, probably not the answer that anybody wanted, but that is the truth. Uh, Congress cannot actually put limitations on the power of the Supreme Court. Now, what they can do, and when I say Congress, of course, I'm referring to both the House and the Senate. What they can do is they can dilute that power a little bit among the justices themselves. And the way they do that, of course, is by expanding the court. You know, I, I've repeatedly said, I don't care how many justices the Democrats put up there. If you want to just add four, you know, to, to make it to where you finally have that majority, 
whatever. I think that's weak because if you're going to do it, go big right now, the public hates the Supreme court, right? They got like what a 20% uh, uh, confidence rating. Public doesn't trust them. Public doesn't like them. So go freaking big. Like let's put 21 new justices on that Supreme court. And I want them all to be, you know, 30 year old liberals fresh out of law school. That's what I want. Like let's dilute the power of those old guard conservatives that you still have sitting on that court, like Clarence Thomas. Well, in fact, he's the longest serving person at this point, but go ahead and do it. Like, why not? The Republicans have made a joke of the Supreme court. So I think the Democrats need to just continue that joke. The other possible thing that Congress could do to limit the power of the Supreme court is term limits. Something that miraculously enough, both Ted Cruz and I agree on. And if you ever get me and Ted Cruz agreeing on something, you better believe it's probably the thing we should do. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think we should have lifetime appointments to any court in this country. Lifetime appointments basically take away accountability. You know how hard it is to impeach a, a justice, like not just on the Supreme court, but literally any court in the country, it's damn near impossible. So those are the things that we can do, or we can't, Congress can, we can pressure Congress to do these things, but Biden's already admitted that, you know, he's not going to do it. He doesn't want to do it. And so we're, we're stuck with this, uh, uh, Supreme court and you know, there, there's not a whole lot we can do about it. So again, I know that's kind of a depressing answer, but it's the truth. So our next question here comes from Linda Lewis, who asks, Will people see DeSantis for who he is, or will we replay with better coaching the same authoritarianism as 45? I'm voting ruthlessly. That's an interesting question, right? Because I have long maintained, you know, because I've been watching DeSantis, you know, I pay attention to these kinds of things. The guy isn't good. And I don't just mean his politics. Obviously, his politics are terrible for people but he's not a good person on stage. We have seen him heckled by reporters. We have seen him have to deal with protesters. He doesn't handle those things. Well, he is a very emotional person. We have seen him get shaken up, you know, for, for sad things too, at press conferences, he can't control his emotions. And that's the kind of thing that you can't necessarily coach out of somebody you can believe it or not coach stupid out to a degree, but DeSantis isn't stupid. He's emotional. You can't coach that out of somebody. That's their nature. That's who they are as a human being. And other Republicans up on a debate stage, or if he makes it as the nominee, the democratic nominee could use it against him, get him riled up, get him angry, get him emotional and show how just kind of unhinged he really is. That to me is probably the biggest and best way to take down Ron DeSantis. That's why I don't think, to be honest with you, in spite of his, you know, $110 million campaign war chest, I don't think he makes it through the primaries. I simply don't. I don't see it happening because he is incapable of controlling his emotions. And if you pull him off script, just like Marco Rubio in the 2015 debates, he's going to fall apart in record time. Next question is, um, from Christopher uh, Pulera says, glad you're feeling better and doing well. Again, I have no questions, just a compliment on the work that you do every day. It keeps your viewers informed on the important issues that matter. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. 
Um, here's Cynthia Richter who says, glad you're feeling better. I really enjoy your shows. Kudos to your wife. How is she holding up trying to teach in a gazpacho state, as uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene would put it? Um, it is tough. And um, I'm not sure if everybody watching this, reading this, you know, or listening to this, sorry, nobody's reading the podcast. That was a stupid thing to say. Um, we, we did have an issue um, towards the end of this most recent last uh, school year where after Ron DeSantis, of course, had banned the teaching of critical race theory, my wife, who is a special needs teacher, by the way, uh, here in the state of Florida, was accused by a parent of teaching critical race theory. So it became this big rigmarole at the school with the county, with the administrators, all of that. They had to do, you know, their little investigation. Ultimately, of course, they decided, no, my wife was not doing anything that this man has accused her of, this parent. Um, but what it was, was she assigned him a book. And the book was about two people migrating to the United States for a better life. That's it. Like these people wanted a better life. So they came to America. It's actually a very pro America book, but he said, Nope, you got, you got immigrants in there. You, you can't do that. You can't do that to my, my boy. So she almost got in trouble for it later on. Actually, even after this whole thing came to pass, he accused her of it again, again, nothing came of it. Um, but I actually told that story on Twitter and, uh, I had a lot of people reach out to me. The ACLU reached out to me. I had Nikki freed. Uh, Florida's agricultural commissioner who's running for governor reached out to me, uh, just an, a huge outpouring of support. So if you're asking how my wife's teaching career is going here in Florida, um, not well, because teachers have become targets from these parents who don't understand what critical race theory is and also don't understand that it has never actually been taught here in the state of Florida in our public schools. Um, I don't want to say more than that. You know, obviously I don't want to implicate anybody. I don't want to talk about, um, you know, the, the, the parents, the, the teachers, anybody like that. But I will say that a big problem with Florida schools, including the one my wife teaches at, is that you have got a lot of right-wing teachers that actually support what Ron DeSantis is doing. And that's the most terrifying part about all this. You are making yourself a target by supporting this guy and you see no problem with it. That is dangerous. I mean, it's borderline, you know, straight up stupid. It's not borderline. It is stupid. A lot of these teachers, politically speaking, are stupid. They're supporting people that are actively just ruining their own lives. And they'll realize it too, eventually, once they get hit, you know, with similar accusations and have to fight it because it's not fun. Um, another question here from Cat Whisperer. I love that. It says, great show, Farron. Glad you're doing better. Well, thank you. Question, can the GOP survive this? We need at least two political parties, not a Q party. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know that, that there is a Republican party left right now to survive anything, right? We, we do have a Q party. The Republican party is gone. At least the one that we knew, the one that we grew up with, the one that was evil, but mostly just kind of evil behind the scenes. They weren't crazy. They were just bad, but now they're bad and crazy. And that of course is always the problem because with crazy, there's always the escalation. You know, the, the Republican party of, of 10, you know, years ago, even was all about banning abortion during the campaigns. 
once they got power, oh yeah, we're, uh, <clears throat> we're not actually going to do that. I mean, think about it for decades. Republicans have been running on banning abortion in the United States, overturning Roe. And they never actually did anything about it. Even when they had the numbers to be able to do it because they were never serious about it. Right. You know, this is just kind of culture war nonsense. We throw it out there. We get people to vote for us. Then we just ignore it. And we cut taxes for the wealthy. That's what the Republicans do. But now all that's changed. There are five different pieces of Republican legislation in the house of representatives today to ban abortion on a federal level. Now, of course they have no chance of passing, but that's how extreme the party has become. It is the Q party. A couple years ago, people like Sarah Palin, uh, people like Joni Ernst, uh, 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 Christine o O'Donnell, right? The I'm not a witch. They were seen as like the most ridiculous and extreme individuals that we've ever seen in Congress today. You know, the uh, so-called embarrassments that those individuals had and Ernst, of course, is still in, in, in the Senate. Um, those, that's nothing, right? That's nothing compared to what we see today from Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert. I mean, for the love of God, Boebert's husband was banned from a bowling alley for exposing himself to a couple of underage girls. Boebert herself got uh, banned from the same bowling alley because she was with him when it happened. And she's still a sitting member of Congress, just, just won her uh, primary because people know these things these days and like, well, I don't care. They, they're going to stick it to the libs. So this is, what, this is what I'm going with. It's insane because of course the Republican party itself has gone insane. And that's what we're up against today, folks. That's what we have to fight back against just these absolute nuts on the other side. And I got to tell you, it's hard to do because when the public accepts crazy, which they clearly have with the Republican party, it's hard to fight that even with logic, with facts, with all of those things, like the public wants crazy, the public votes for crazy. So to answer your question, can the Republican party survive this? They already have, they survived it by evolving into something far worse than what we could have ever imagined. All right. Our next question here comes from, uh, Roberto, uh, who says, love all your podcasts fair. And I click the like button all the time. There are times I see your shirts you're wearing are a bit shabby, but your very strong personality overcomes it, especially when you get real mad on your no holds barred comments. How is DeSantis going, uh, uh, doing on the poll for governor? Who is the official democratic candidate running against him? Does he, she have a chance? Um, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, what to make of the shirt thing. I, I look, Hey, I got shirts even I don't like, right. Um, but it is what it is. And, uh, I, I do, I mean, I ironed all of my shirt. If it's a button down shirt, it's ironed. Um, you know, I can't always keep it looking nice and smooth when I'm in the car and the seatbelt, we're in the Florida heat. It's 110 degrees with the heat index. You know, yeah, you sweat. It makes the wrinkles. I'm sorry if it's a little shabby. I, I, I hate that. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Second part of your question, who is De DeSantis's opponent? We don't know yet. See Florida, one of the weirder States, right? We, uh, we don't even have our primaries till August. So we got a couple weeks to go before we even get to that point. Uh, which, you know, is again, a little weird, but it's the way it is. There are of course the two front runners on the democratic side, which basically the only two Democrats out there. 
Uh, Charlie Crist, who used to be the Republican governor of Florida, ran for governor as an independent, failed, ran for Senate as an independent, failed. Now he's in the House of Representatives. Blah, boring, same old, same old crap. I don't like Charlie Crist. But if he's the other option, you know, against DeSantis, I'll vote for him. I'll do it with a smile on my face and I won't regret it. The person I like mostly, she, she has said and done some things recently that, oh, wow, I really hate that is Nikki Freed. Nikki Freed was the first Democrat to win statewide office here in the state of Florida in a decade. She won and became our agricultural commissioner, agriculture, commissioner of agriculture, excuse me. You know, the, the person whose name you see on all the gas pumps in the state. Um, and she does a hell of a lot more than that. It's just, she actually does have a little bit of name recognition because of that. You see the name when you're sitting there pumping gas. And as I mentioned, uh, previously, she was one of the people who reached out to me on Twitter, you know, sent me some messages, um, when I talked about my wife's story with the critical race theory thing. So by that virtue alone, the fact that she had seen that, cause she wasn't even following me on Twitter, but she saw it and reached out to me personally. That's friggin' huge. Like to me personally, that made a big difference that showed that, wow, she is paying attention and she cares. She offered to help in any way possible. You, you can't look, I didn't get that from Charlie Crist. I didn't get it from anybody else. Well, ACLU of course did. And it's a lot of other you know, people on Twitter, but they're not politicians. So, uh, yeah, I, I like Nikki Freed. I hope she wins the primary right now. The polls show that she is not unfortunately, but that could change again. She's done some things I really don't like, but on the whole, obviously much better than DeSantis, certainly better than Charlie Crist. So that's who I'm going with. In terms of the head-to-head -head matchups, DeSantis is, of course, pulling ahead of both of them um, by several points, not double digits, the last polls I've seen. So there is a good chance that it could be a tight race, but the demographics in Florida have shifted. We have had more Republicans register. We have had a bunch of Republicans move to the state. Um, I'm not optimistic that a Democrat will win here, unfortunately. Um, question from uh, Courtney Jones here. <clears throat> Wow. This is a long one. So here it is. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're feeling better. Okay. To start, my daughter is queer and is obviously extremely upset about the Roe decision in the Supreme court, especially since now they are threatening to strip more rights nationwide. If Republicans take control again, including the rights of the LGBTQ community to love and even to exist as a parent yourself. And with your background in politics, journalism, do you have any advice on what I can say to her to help alleviate her anxiety? I'm usually pretty good to talk, uh, at talking to her and helping her through tough situations she faces as a queer teenager, but I'm feeling rather hopeless about this myself and don't know what to say to help lift her spirit. She even refused to celebrate the 4th of July because she's ashamed of the path our country finds itself on. And I really can't blame her. Any advice would be extremely appreciated. You're one of my favorite political commentators, along with Justin King, Jesse Dolamore, Texas, Paul, Brian Tyler Cohen, Anna Kasparian and Jank Uger. Thank you for helping me keep me informed. My advice is you have to, you have to, have to, have to talk. It's so easy for these people that our country continues to marginalize, continues, as you put it, to basically tell them you don't even have a right to exist. It's so easy for them to fall into self-destructive patterns and habits. Don't let that happen. The best thing you can do is be a friend. You know, a lot of people say, well, I'm an ally. Cool. Allies are great. Be a friend though. That's better. 
still be your parent, but you have to be a friend. You have to be that shoulder to lean on. You have to be the person they know they can go to and tell anything to. You also, if there are people in your life, I don't know, you know, your personal situation. If there's people in your life who do not accept your child, you get rid of those other people, get them out, get them out, out, out. That's what you have to do. It's tough. It's tough to cut off a family member. But if they don't accept your family, then you have no choice. But you have to be the ear. You have to be the shoulder. You have to be the heart. That child has to know that they always have somebody who has their back and that loves them unconditionally, no matter who they are. That's what we have to do as parents. That's what we have to continue to do. And if we do that, you know, maybe we can stop the cycle of self-harm that does happen far too often with members of the LGBTQ community. That's what we have to be. It's not just being an ally. You have to be a genuine friend. Um, here's a question from uh, To The Table is the username. It says, glad you're up and running. I'd like to ask, what kind of president do you think we need? Or if you like this one instead, what do you think could be done to inspire people who have good sense to run for office? Thank you. I'll answer both questions. What kind of president do we need? We need a fighter. We need an unabashed, young, energetic fighter. Beyond that, I don't care. I don't care color. I don't care gender. I don't care thin, fat. I do want them young, like I said. And the reason I say thin or fat is because I've actually had conversations with people recently, really horrible ones who I've said, I want Katie Porter to run. And they've actually looked at her picture and said like, nope, she'll never win. Look at her. I was like, I, what? Um, and so that, that, that actually pisses me off to hear things like that because Katie Porter is the kind of fighter we need. Gavin Newsom, right? Coming out saying, you know what? California is going to make our own insulin. We're going to uh, circumvent big pharma. We're going to do it ourselves and we're going to give it to people for dirt cheap. That's a fighter. Rokana. Uh, has had a lot of missteps recently, so I'm not so sure about him anymore. Um, that's really disappointing, by the way, because I thought he was a fighter, but now he just seems a little bit like a coward. Bernie Sanders, of course, is a fighter. Elizabeth Warren is a fighter. Um, like I said, Katie Porter, you got the rest of the squad. A lot of them, of course, unfortunately, not a lot, but several of them uneligible to be president. Uh, some that will change as they get older. Others, uh, not natural born citizens. So of course they're not eligible but we do have some fighters out there and new fighters are emerging. That's what we need. That's what I want. That's what we have to have. How do we inspire people with good sense to run for office? Now that's a little bit trickier, right? I mean, as much as we would love to get all these people involved, there's plenty of people who just absolutely have no taste or desire for it whatsoever. And you can't fault them for that. This is not a, a, a pretty, you know, business to get into running for office. I've had a lot of people, maybe jokingly, maybe not, I don't know, tell me like, Farron, you should run for office. Like, F no, F no, not ever happening. Nope. <laughs> I don't want that. That's not who I am. It never has been, never will be. So I honestly can't answer that part of the question, unfortunately, because I don't know how to get people motivated. Keep them involved. You know, make sure they stay upfront on the issues and in time, 
the right people will make themselves known. Listen, that's all the time we have this week for the free portion of this show. But if you want to get the rest of this show, the rest of all the future shows and all of the shows we've done in the past, go sign up and become a member at rofpodcast.com.